Hey everybody, welcome back to the Mando Fan Show! This is episode 12, entitled The Maker Approves. And we'll get into why in just a moment, but this episode is going to be all about the Disney Gallery documentary series on The Mandalorian, episode 4, Technology, which really takes us into how this show was made, how it was possible in terms of its time budgets and all that sort of stuff. Uh, with me, as always, is James Bainey and Lacey Gillerin. Good morning, everyone. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. So, <laughs> the Mando Fan Show, the, I feel like this is like the like point five edition. It's like the... Uh, yeah. It's not the, the full bore we're talking about the show itself, but this documentary has... Um, been a treat because it kind of surprises we do we didn't know it was coming until pretty recently so we didn't have this hype for it and i think that's a good thing because it doesn't really get too into the making of this stuff you're not actually seeing a lot of this uh these shots and these filmings a lot of it's talking about this stuff and you know what that's okay because mm -hmm. look at us here we are talking about people talking about stuff but um, what we do like to do on uh, this version of the Mando Fan Show is uh, start by um, giving our favorite or standout moments from each episode. So let's get into that right now and then discuss uh, the episode and, and look look forward. But um, Lacey, do you, do you have one spot from this episode, uh, which I believe was 27 minutes in total, that stood out to you or that you loved the most, something like that? Yeah, so this was my favorite episode of the ones we've seen so far nice. um, because it gets into like the nitty gritty of how the this, this show was made and the thought process that goes into the technology and how it's changed over time and kind of bits and pieces that they've pulled from other movies and uh, productions, which is super interesting to me. Um, my favorite part actually was when Jon Favreau said that uh, the most important thing when doing any type of video project or movie, TV, film, whatever... Um, is making sure you shoot it right to begin with uh, and don't leave it to post. I feel like a lot of times uh, in my own career, but also just like seeing movies and TV and stuff that gets produced in all different types of ways, the best way to make a project successful is to shoot it right the first time. And I'm a big component of like doing things right. And like, even if it takes more time, at least you're doing it right the first time. Um, so to hear him say that and to him to put an emphasis on lighting was super important to me or stood out to me because uh, lighting can make or break a project. And this whole episode is just emphasizing how important lighting was. And every time he discussed what didn't work with a project, it was always the lighting. Um, and that might play into what oftentimes your critique is, John, is that the eyes don't work. It's because lighting on eyes is so difficult. Uh, yeah. So that could play into that. But yeah, no, lighting is super important. Yeah. I mean, the eyes thing with CG characters is certainly one of those things that I feel like they still are behind on in terms of everything else going forward. And Yoshi said that was correct. He said that that was the, the thing. Yeah. And he said they may not ever be able to perfect it because it's not a human. Yeah. Um, but Yoshi Vu, by the way, is a visual mm -hmm. effects person that we had on uh, Resistance broadcast a couple weeks ago, so definitely go check that out because he talks about Rise of Skywalker and The Mandalorian. Yeah, he worked on uh, Chapter Four, Sanctuary yeah. from Season One, uh, yeah. and he uh, 
got Baby Yoda spoiled for him. So that's a, that was a, yeah. <laughs> he was not too pleased about that. But he was not. You got to pay those bills, Yoshi. Come on, man. Um, <laughs> all right. So I agree, Lacey. And you know, it's funny. We'll get into more of it, but uh, the technology just made all that so much easier for them. And and we'll we'll delve into why. But James, did you have uh, a standout part or a favorite part from this uh, twenty-seven minute little jaunt into the technology of the Mando Lorian? Um, yeah. I mean, I think I'm kind of echoing Lacey a little bit. Like, I think that section right at the very beginning with John Favreau explaining, um, you know, the history of like where he came from and how all of this went into the Mandalorian was was the best. You know, he started, you know. I was working on this project and then I was working on this one. And then I learned to leave in a little bit more yeah. on this project. And, um, I, I think it's interesting to hear him say that because I, you know, following his career, you know, because he did the Iron Man and everybody, you know, credits him as starting the MCU. Everybody has all eyes on the projects that he's working on. So it is really interesting to see like, oh, he did the Jungle Book, and then he gets hired to do the Lion King, and you're like, oh, I bet it's going to be like this, and it's like exactly like that, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> like you can see the evolution of like we were, you know, we had some practical stuff, and then we moved into completely not, you know? Mm-hmm. And then this is weird because now he's live action again, but how do you blend those two elements together? And it actually is harder to do it this way than it was to do it the other way in the other movies you know what i mean yeah like it's easier to make just a cg lion than it would be to um try to shoot a real lion on the background of a cg world you know right (laughs) it's odd yeah um no that's a great point and a good part um mine is like a little bit of a blend in terms of how it was discussed but I believe it was Hal Hickel, um, one of the tops at ILM on that roundtable, talking about how, in a strange way, this insane advancement in technology has allowed them to go back to more traditional ways of filmmaking because they're shooting live in camera and the directors can see a fully realized shot in the camera because of the effects are involved there and, and all that. And how um, Carl Weathers uh, said it makes it more organic in terms of actor reactions because they're all seeing the same thing. And it's not, imagine that green wall is a a Tyrannosaurus Rex Mm -hmm. and you're looking that, you know, so that really excited me knowing that we're really in this weird stage where the technology is so out there, but we're getting this pure and true, um, way that these people can react and act, uh, in these environments. So that's, that blew me away, made me really excited um, uh, because it makes Star Wars feel more real when you're able to get more real acting and reactions and that sort of thing. Um, so, all right, let's get into just a general discussion about this episode. And James, you kind of hit on that. It really starts with uh, the first step being John Favreau in The Jungle Book and how he created smaller uh, real sets and then populated it around and worked on the shadows and all that sort of stuff i thought that was so interesting but 
I kind of wanted them. I was like, okay, we know he worked on that. We know he worked on that. Give me the Mando. Give me the Mando. Did you guys feel that way? Or were you like, okay, I wanted to nope. see how they made the Jungle Book. <laughs> no, because yeah. not only did he explain how the technology has progressed through his projects, but interestingly enough, the thing that stuck out to me is he admitted where he did it wrong multiple times. Like he said, yes, we did this and it was great and it did crazy numbers at the box office and we won awards, but... Mm-hmm. This is what we did wrong, and it was obvious to me that we did it wrong. Um, yeah, it cost more money. It took twice the time. Yes, that I admire that because for someone at his level to admit, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the expert on this. I'm not the pro, but I'm learning and evolving, and I'm bringing in the people that can help me get to that next point. Yeah. Um, which it's just super inspiring because oftentimes you have people that are like their word is the end. You know, they're like, this is. <laughs> This is it. This is what I'm saying is going. Um, but it seems like John like George Favreau's, Lucas. <laughs> I don't even know if it's George Lucas though, because in the show they bring him in and he seemed like, yeah, I did this, but he was just advanced. His mind is so far ahead, like Kathleen Kennedy said. Mm-hmm. I think George just has a picture and he gets frustrated when he can't see it happen. And I think we kind of got that a little bit with J.W. Rinsler's. Like he explains, like George was so ahead that he's just like trying to explain something and he just can't. Because no one is at the level that he's at. But whereas Jon Favreau, he's working with experts and he's like, I want to see this happen. It's not working properly because he's trying to bring techniques and, um, you know, ideas that are from classic film and make them work now in a way that also progresses technology. And I think we see that throughout the episode as he goes from... Oh, yeah, they used to project this onto the camera back in the old days, and then we moved into this, and then it was CG, so you're talking to screens, which I loved when he talked about how green screens were terrible because you had to key them out, and then you had to key something back in. Nothing annoys me more than when people use a green screen, and this is not to their the, the actor or person on camera's fault, but if they have blonde hair, it picks up all the green. And it reflects onto them, onto their hair. And it's so obvious it's green screened. And even when you have a good green screen, there's like this like kind of like hint of green <laughs> that is like so terrible. And I think yeah. that's why they tend to go blue. I don't know if that's the case, but uh, green, screen no. is, green screen is just so bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's I still see it today in like you know big productions and stuff not like not in the movies so much like i don't see it but like on tv a lot of times i'll be like i'm like man i can see the green screen in his skin because they didn't they cut it out of the back that's fine but he's in a he's in a room and there's this over here and the lighting is bouncing off of that and it's casting a green on him (laughs) and it's like it doesn't it's not working and i can tell that he's green (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, this episode was funny too because uh, I, it is exactly what we wanted. They talked about the volume a lot, and they talked about you know how it works and the history of it and how we got there and all this other stuff. But I will say a little bit of a negative is I wanted them to get into it, and they ah. just kind of spent the whole episode Bingo. re-explaining what it is. Yeah, that's like you know they cut to a scene. They're like, imagine you know you're in a room. <laughs> And then, like, the next scene is, like, another person, like, so pretend you're in a bubble. Yeah. And then the next person is, like, so you're in, like, an empty space, and there's TV screens. And I'm, like, I get that. Dude, I'm, I'm past with you. that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I, I, you know, show, show me something else, you know, and not, I feel like in a way they've already kind of showed us everything they talked about. I, I'm sure there's more stuff in there and we'll get into that. But like, I feel like I kind of already knew what the volume was Mm -hmm. and how it worked. And I had an idea. They're like putting a definition on the screen, like parallax. I'm like, okay, I get it. Most people. I love that they had to do that. (laughs) I know. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) and then they said it like every two seconds. It was like a game, like a drinking game of parallax. That's probably, they probably put that in after the fact. They're like, wow, you guys said a parallax a lot. And no one's one's going to, why don't don't we just put the definition up there? It's very artistic. Why why don't we just explain it four times, you know, (laughs) but, uh, but no, I mean, I I feel like that was probably like one of the downfalls of the episode is just like kind of a re-explaining of what this thing is. And I'm like, I kind of already yeah. know what it is. And I was hoping this episode would go into a little bit more detail on how it works or kind of show us examples. I mean, it's like they're talking about it and it's doing it and we can see it happening. But there was never really a person that was like, check this out. Watch. I move this way, you know, like yeah. there, there's never like a scene they where kind we're of actually seeing the- somebody the surface of what it is yeah but the interesting thing is when they go into how well not really go into it as we're saying but they kind of talk about how all the pieces of the technology are already out there people are already using them they just took all these elements and put them together so john favreau makes it very clear that like the volume itself isn't ip or anything like that like it's not theirs because it's like all different pieces so other people can replicate it and he brought in all these people from different studios and stuff working together so he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we had so many people come through to see it. And I was like, oh, so that must mean a ton of people have gone through this set just to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I've been reading, reading Reddit. <laughs> I know who's been on, on there or who's rumored to be involved. You know yeah. what? So I opened this episode kind of saying like they didn't overhype this thing and they just kind of dropped it on us saying like this is coming. Surprise. It's a little extra thing for you. And I think that was smart and probably a decision made by Favreau or somebody of that ilk because they didn't want people to think they were getting, you know, the documentary from the Phantom Menace style where it's so in. Mm -hmm. And I use that lens to look at this because I'm with you, James. I feel like the door's open and we're trying to like look in and we're like, all right, what's going on here? And then they close the door and then like go... They're, they're talking about it in that room. Just go listen in. I'm like, oh, all right. Mm-hmm. It's like a panel. It's like a tape. Yeah. It's, so, a, it's a puff piece, promo so, piece. Yeah, I agree. It is. And in looking at that, though, I and I, in my review that I wrote up about it, I kind of sat back and thought, all right, so what was their purpose of this? And it, I think it was to tell us how each department was positively impacted by the technology, not showing us the technology. Because James, like you said, maybe they thought a lot of people kind of already know this. They did their research and, you know, they kind of get how this works. So let's talk about how it improves how we make the show. So the directors start talking about it. And then I'm like, okay. And Rick Famuyu is like, it's way more natural. I can see my settings. Uh, It's easier for me to direct this. And Tyka said he he's standing in the room and he can't tell what's what. And that makes you think as the audience, like, well, then there's no way we could tell the difference whether they're on 
you know, in Wadi Rum in Jordan or if they're standing in that room on a screen. And that's insane. And then Filoni, I think, um, said they can switch out these scenes and settings in 30 minutes, which is so crazy to me when you think about it, because 40 years ago, Star Wars is flying to Tunisia and they're flying here to Norway and they can do these setups in these rooms in 30 minutes and it really compacts how much live action Star Wars they can create and turn around. And that is exactly what Disney Plus needed because now you're doing eight hours of or five hours of a Star Wars show every year for one series where mm-hmm. without this, that probably doesn't exist. So I wanted more too. I wanted to see them do stuff, and you did get some spots when they're showing. Yeah, you see Amy Sedaris, and they turn the yeah. But I also liked hearing how this is changing everything for how not only how they're able to make Star Wars, but maybe like Disney's like it only costs this much. Let's go back and revisit that idea that we kind of punted because we thought it was going to be too much and not make enough and. So that excites me, and that gets me thinking about the Solo 2 stuff and they have yeah. the assets and all that sort of thing. So I try to look at it from that rose-colored glasses, I guess, so to speak. They did show you some of it in action, though. They show you... They yeah, talk about sure. how the sets are more than just the video screens. Right. That they're actual set pieces and stuff on the ground that then plays into the background. That had to match. Right. And then even further than that, one step further, is that it's not just a video wall. Um, They say this, like, another word or buzzwords that they throw in there, like, 60 times is, like, game engine. They keep saying that. They're like, Mm -hmm. oh, the game engine. Mm -hmm. So basically what happens is it renders in real time, but like a video game. But the thing I thought was cool is that it's connected to the camera. So wherever the camera moves, the background moves according to that camera. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I thought was honestly the coolest part of the whole thing is they were like, ah, as I move the camera, it moves with me. And you can see on the screen, it has a box. That's what it's shooting. And the lighting of that might be different than the lighting outside said box. Right. Which I thought was cool. Okay. So I kind of, I forgot about this when we were talking about our favorite parts. And I really, really, really. James, what's your favorite part? Zoomed in on one particular part. (laughs) And it was a scene where they were saying it was like old something from Lion King and or maybe even before. I'm not really sure, but they were just testing things. But he has the like crappy lion head. Yes. In real life. Mm -hmm. And he's got the camera and he's moving it and they just have a television screen and it looks terrible. But like he's sitting there and he's (laughs) moving it around and right. Yeah. And the reason this this stuck out to me is because there's this video um, that I watched like a long time ago and I looked it up after the episode came out and it was published 12 years ago. And I remember like watching it and being like, this is awesome. This is really cool. This is really cool tech. I can't wait for this to be a thing. I know you guys know, like I pay attention to Apple and stuff and it's all like connected to this. Um, and this video, which I'll send you, Lacey, so you can put it in the description or I'll add it to the description after you post it or whatever. But mm-hmm. it's this guy and his name was Johnny Lee. And he did head tracking for the Nintendo Wii. And 
the idea here is you guys know, like you have a remote, right? You have the Wiimote and there's the sensor bar and the two are like interacting with each other. So when you move this way, the two are telling the cursor on the screen to do something that makes it feel like it's connected, right? Mm -hmm. What he did is he flipped it in reverse. He put the Wii remote by the television and then he put the sensors on his glasses or a hat or something where his head is mm -hmm. so that when he moved, the items on the screen moved in perspective of which way he was uh, moving his body. Uh -huh. And so to him and, and moving forward made the items get larger and moving backwards made them get smaller. And when you're playing this, uh, from your perspective, everything was, it looked real and it looked like it was even popping out of the screen. And I'll, like I said, watch this video. It was 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. I followed this guy. He ended up working for like Xbox and like Connect. And now Apple is doing AR technology where you're moving your phone and uh, like 3D objects are like sitting in real life and all that. I follow all this stuff. So to see John Favreau basically playing with like the Nintendo and, and doing the like, head tracking if you will it's the cameras the head you know what i mean um it's just i was like oh my gosh like that this is like 2005 2010 me like if if i was blown away by that video and decided to become a filmmaker just to embrace that technology you know yeah. right yeah yeah so awesome um and i it's funny because i don't delve into video production so i it's funny how we're looking at this from different perspectives you guys mm -hmm. are nerding out about the technology itself and i'm nerding out about how it makes well it. that's the episode John. yeah <laughs> i know but i feel like they were focusing on how it affects everyone else in a positive light like they said yeah and we, we were talking to eunice uh huthart about how they needed to get the right amount of time to get certain shots with the sunset and JJ's like, we got to go now. Let's go now. We have perfect sunlight. And now they're mm -hmm. here talking about 12 hour dawns and how they can have the ultimate, uh, dusk setting for as long as they want. Of course, magic hour. And it completely changes everything. Now there's no more stresses mm -hmm. on those crews to hop in Jeeps and go barreling down hills in Jordan and stuff like that. Wow. It's awesome. And I love all that stuff uh, and the organic element of it. I mean, this is just like, Give me, it's like Truman Show, cue the sun, you know, like, all right, let's go. Give me 12 hours of this or 12 hours of that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really fascinated by that. And then Carl Weathers, like, I got to say, I, I feel like he's been the MVP of this documentary for me because he just like, he pops in for like 30 seconds to a minute on these things, but he just hits you with like some serious perspective and truth, which makes me excited because he's directing an episode for or has directed an episode for uh, season two. But here he is like really talking about how as an actor who's been in the game for four decades, how this just makes things so unbelievably real that he feels like he's actually in these environments. And I specifically, he's talking about that tunnel with the lava. Mm -hmm. And he's like, mm -hmm. it's around you, it's above you. As you're moving closer, you're seeing the tunnel get bigger and you look behind you and you see the other opening get smaller. And he's like, it's so immersive. And I f he, he really felt like it makes the truest form of acting in these types of shows. 
And that just really excites me so much because, you know, I like the prequels, right? But some of that stuff, you can tell like, man, I can just see Ewan McGregor is staring at a giant blank green piece of paper or sheet. And he's just looking at something that's not there where now as they are looking at that beast or that flowing lava or something like that. You say a green piece of sheet? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. No, I, I I hear what you're saying. Um, I don't know, man. I think uh, I think that when it comes to Hollywood in general, like all of these movies and all of these like productions and stuff, is to kind of boast about what you've done that's different from everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I I don't see it in a, in a bad way because for for once. I'm not looking at this technology as like an excuse to cover up the show. Like, yeah. Um, like I'm trying to think of an example like, Oh, well, you know, maybe avatar didn't have the best story, but like the technical achievements or even the, even the prequels people say like, Oh, it was kind of this and this, but some of the stuff that they did with this stuff was really cool. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think that you had something really solid here. Um, that they are legitimately like breaking new ground on. And it has been something like I was saying before, like a a dream of, you know, Favreau specifically says like these people were kind of had their idea of what that would look like in the future. And these people had this idea of Mm -hmm. what it would look like in the future. And we just kind of all came together on this project to make it happen. Um, and that was, like I said, what was fascinating for me is because, you know, I, I think about that stuff and I look up those things about, you know, this tech that's like controlling camera movement. So you can redo the same take every time because you know, the camera is going to be in the same place every time because it's controlled Mm -hmm. by a robot, you know, um, just different, different things like that. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I think the, I think the technology here in a way, even though it's like the highlight of the episode, <laughs> I think it's being undersold of how important and big this breakthrough in what they can do. Right. And I can I I already know because this is like I said, was something that I was thinking about years ago, and obviously I'm not involved, so I'm not in the process of making it happen, but I'm seeing it come to fruition. I've been watching from the sidelines. And I know where it's going because this type of stuff, like I'm like, okay, that's the first step. The next step is to now, I don't know, like put sensors in the LEDs so that the camera can recognize what is real and what is the LED screen so that right now they're filming the actor and the screen and that is a permanent shot and it looks good, but it's permanent and they can change the visual effects beforehand, but they can't change them after. It would be great then to take exactly what they're doing. If the LED screens could say to the camera, um, you know, hey, I'm fake. I'm LED and this barrel, that's real. The actor, that's real. So don't get rid of those. And then in post, you can look at it and it's done, but then click a button and, and see like the green screen of it. Like it just can digitally remove because somewhere in the process, there's like two files that are sitting on each other the fake file which is the led and the the real actors and stuff and then they then they'd be able to be like 
well, you know, we were able to do this and it looked great. But then after the fact, we realized there was this weird mistake. Well, now we can go in and fix the mistake even after it's been filmed. I don't know. It's just. I think going back to what you guys have kind of said earlier was um, I think I would enjoy this show more than I already do if they did more of a this is what we do on a shoot instead of this is us talking about how great this is. And I think Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I'm grappling with. And I think you are too, James, a little bit with the technology side is um, you see it, you see them using it. There's all this B-roll of them being like, oh, look at this. But then they Mm -hmm. don't get into like, okay, we're setting up a shot. This is what it looks like. Um, Which it's just a little frustrating because you're like, okay, is it because you're just trying to do a crazy overview and you don't have the shots where they're explaining it? Because I'm sure they do. Um, Do you think the audience can't handle this knowledge of like what it is? It I don't know. It's just a little confusing to me because I'm like, why wouldn't you explain how it works? I because think, you're keeping it very high level. I think you hit on it there, Lacey. I don't think this was a plan to begin with. I yeah. think they didn't have an extra camera crew following them around to do all this stuff. So they grabbed pieces where they could in terms of the inside baseball making the show. And that's why there is a lot of this round table because they revisited this after the fact. They're yes. like, wow, this show is successful. Yes. Let's try to... I don't want to use the word milk it, but... If we can get you and your crew and get you with Kathy and get the actors to do a couple of these roundtables, we'll knock them each out in a day. Uh, yep. You don't take too much of your time. Drive down. We'll put together this eight episode series and they're, the people are going to eat it up. They're going to love it. And here we are. Yeah, they probably, sat, about it, so. they probably <laughs> put each section of people in like a two hour chunk. And just had them yeah. sit there and talk. Um, random side thing, and this might just be me. Every time I see John Knoll, I just think Photoshop. Because <laughs> he invented Photoshop. <laughs> so every time I see him, I'm like, that's the guy that invented Photoshop. I always, I always think of Rogue One. Because he like pitched the idea. And they're like... John, he invented Photoshop. I don't care about <laughs> it's that. It's so crazy that. that the person up there is like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, you've changed everything. I don't even. What's, does. what's Photoshop? Is that where you make photos? You go in the red room and you know uh, what Photoshop uh, is. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty crazy to think like how like a single individual can yes can so drastically change the world. You know, like. To think like if there was no George Lucas, we wouldn't have Star Wars. I'm sure filmmaking would be pushing boundaries in certain ways. And right. maybe somebody else would have come up with something, you know, for a lot of these special effects. And we'd all kind of generally be on the same path. Sure. But it is it is pretty crazy to think that, you know, there's a guy out there that's like, you know, I could <laughs> changed everything. Yeah. Right I now. do laugh a little bit when they uh, had George come on, like Kathy and... Uh, John Favre kind of joked a little bit that George was just like, I did this 20 years ago. <laughs> sure. Pulling around. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, every time I see John Noel, that's what I think. I'm like, this dude has done such crazy things in his lifetime that like, what? The, the mind of someone like that. Yeah. Since we're talking about random things that just popped up, did anybody see that they had on the screens, on the TV screens, they had like the A screen 
the Bosk screen and then the C screen. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, oh no! I did see that, and it was just yeah, like it was like a giant A and a B and a C, but instead of like the oh, B, it, it was just was a picture of Boss. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even put that together. You, you, you guys connected that? I did not. Yeah, that's so yeah. Funny. not even close. That's definitely like the 3D guy or like the tech guy just having a little fun, and that's yeah. like the best part. Did it say B <laughs> yeah. at all or anything? It, has, or it just it had um, and it had a B in the corner. I, oh, okay. yeah, they might have had a B, but I think like it was just very. Blatantly, clear that it was a like boss yeah a b <laughs> yeah boss that's yeah. pretty funny um no i mean i'm sure the 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 episode is filled with like hidden gems i mean right. we watch this thing like one time and then we get on to talk about it and you know we kind of miss those things but it's fun to scrub over that stuff and and well, try to look for those little details how about seeing the actual dark saber that thing looked like legit it was really cool. Mm-hmm. As he's busting out of that thing. I want that version because that wasn't the Hasbro and version. And it's funny, too, because they use green screen on him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, behind him. Scene, yeah. Which is, yeah, which is like, oh, I, I see that that isn't going to line up A there. Sheet of yeah, green, I see why they had John to do it. Say. Yeah, sheet yeah. of green. Um, <laughs> you got to play down your lack of knowledge about things. For I did like how the door on that opened up when he kicked it. I was like, that's so cool. And he, he must seems, have had so much fun kicking that open. Is anyone more excited than Giancarlo Esposito? Yeah, he seems like he's really... He every drunk, interview, yeah. this guy is shot out of a cannon. He is in Disney World playing he's this role right now. He's a villain in Star Wars. How Like the ultimate fun part. Yeah. I like... I like to think that they filmed his interview like weeks after he was done with the show, but he's still he's in, in his costume. outfit. <laughs> he's at yeah. home, still dressed up. Everybody else is like wearing a suit, sitting at the table or whatever, and he's like in the full outfit in his kitchen, just yeah, via Zoom yeah. call. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, They're that, like, so where funny. did you? He's like, I haven't taken it off. <laughs> yeah, and not to bag on this episode, um, but. I wonder if that's all you're going to get out of George Lucas. Maybe you're not going to see him with the Baby Yoda thing and stuff. Like Maybe they're just like, that's his cameo, and that's him on set with his little Starbucks. No, they're probably going to show him with Baby Yoda in the Baby Yoda episode, because you know there's going to yeah. be an episode of just Do you think there's going to be an episode just on Baby Yoda? I think so. Hmm. Uh, p- potentially, but I, I think puppetry or like stage production or something like that. Like This is the puppetry. technology episode. Yeah, but there's a lot that goes into like props. Mm-hmm. You know, that I could absolutely see that being a full Masks, episode. And yeah. they're like, all right, well, this is the one. This is the one where we talk about all those background characters for a few minutes. And then we really well, focus I, yeah, on I like might, our biggest asset. I might. I think they're going to do an episode just on Baby Yoda. I think that could be an easy 25 minutes that they could just talk about the production of it, people interacting with it, you know, stuff like that. And people. And that's the one episode that I think would drive this series to be made. Showing like, Adam Pally punching it. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm. I could see Iger being like, "Hey, Baby Yoda's a hit. Can we make a series just on Baby Yoda?" And they'd be like, "No, but we can make a documentary series." Yeah. He's like, "Okay, but like make an episode just on Baby Yoda." <laughs> could be. I I yeah. was I wish yeah, I don't know. You see George Lucas. I'm like, oh my god. All right, he's gonna like be in this. He's he's gonna be giving some quotes and stuff. And it was so quick. And he only visited. I don't think he did an interview. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But I did like how he's like standing in that room and like everyone just stopped what they were doing and they're just standing That's, around uh, him like <laughs> the best was the lower yeah, third. No, said it said George Lucas, creator of Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, no, it's so funny because like I'm pretty sure George Lucas uh, is in that 
that specific celebrity zone where like you could walk into any room and start telling a story and everybody's interested in it. And that, that right. this clip is proof, but it's pretty funny. Cause like it, I almost want to hear like the real audio of that clip. And he's like, we were there at Arby's and we yeah. had to choose between the roast beef and the beef and cheddar, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and like, is your George everybody's Lucas like Bill Cosby? <gasps> no, what? I don't know. <laughs> but like, <laughs> Uh, but just everybody being like absolutely fascinated, like I know, man, I've been in that situation a thousand times yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like he's like you just wouldn't believe he's the coffee it. order I had, and everyone's like, yes, right. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more. Um, I don't have anything else uh, on this episode. Um, I'm kind of with you guys. I I wish they did get into more, but I kind of took what they gave me, and um, it makes me hopeful that they can do more. Star Wars stuff that they maybe didn't think they would in terms of Disney and their budgets and, and that sort of stuff. So that's, I think that, we've just that's been my takeaway on it. Yeah, I think we've just been spoiled with the director and the Jedi and then the Skywalker Legacy documentary that mm-hmm. we're like expecting that's what the documentary is going to be. So when we get this like round table thing, we're like, okay, but we got like a lot from these other and things. Did you did you think when, when they announced it like what, a month ago or whatever, did you think it was going to be like? Yes. The director and I didn't. I thought it was going to be them following them around through the whole process because nowadays they do that for everything. They they capture everything now. Mm-hmm. Because when I heard it's going to be eight episodes, I'm like, there's no way this is going to be like eight hours. So I'm like, these are going to be like quick punches, like like these like little 20, 30 minute things. And I don't know why. I just kind of thought it was going to be one of those things that was uh, not a throw in. But uh, let's kind of let's get, get let's give some more content or something. I don't know. I went into this oh, not expecting like, too much. Like Disney Plus, Pixar in real life. Like it's like that's not a real show. Yeah. Oh, I don't. Come know on, what that's that show a. Is. It's like seven minutes of like this little like practical joke where they build the props and then they play it play jokes on people. Yeah. Or whatever. Oh. But they advertise it like it's some sort of like new i don't know like (laughs) it was this full show and they were going to be diving into the technology and bringing it to life and stuff it's like no this literally just feels like a youtube video (laughs) right which for this anyway at least from my perspective they didn't do that they're like yeah hey just so you guys know we're gonna give you guys a little look at how we made the mandalorian and it's gonna be okay i just so check it out (laughs) i loved those skywalker saga documentaries so much that Even if I wasn't fully expecting that, that's what I wanted. So mm-hmm. now that I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, this is a roundtable discussion. Like, yeah, it's cool, but would you like, rather... I really wanted to feel like I'm going through the process with them. I like to learn as I, I watch these things. Sure. And you're not learning much. It's just them highlighting things and kind of just doing like this promotional piece for mm-hmm, the show. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's a Disney it's promo like somebody... piece. Like they did for the... Uh, what was it the galaxy's edge panel at celebration like it just feels so planned and so like oh that wasn't make sure you mention this that wasn't good yeah you know what i mean like it just feels i think there are moments of genuine discussion but i think there are very high level like moments of like okay make sure you hit these three key points yeah it, it it's weird it's like uh it's like your your best friend 
getting to go backstage at a concert and meet all the people, yeah. right? And then when you come out, you're like, oh, did you like, you take videos or pictures or is I can I can feel like I was there? And they're like, no, but I'll tell you about it. And it's like, okay, <laughs> I mean, that's fine. <laughs> I want to hear about it and I'm really excited and I'll probably know more than I did before. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I, I, if there was just a way that I could feel like I was there on the set mm-hmm. is different than hearing somebody tell me about what being on the set was like. Well, like F- Filoni talking about we made side bets on when we walked into the room, what was real and what was fake. I'm like, that would have been funny if they brought a camera in and then they tell the audience like, all right, look at this here. What Which parts do you think are real and fake? And then like, bing, bing, bing. Yeah, and yeah. Like, oh, all right. This James, that is the best analogy you've ever made. Ever. <laughs> I think James's best analogies are when they don't involve food. He's usually usually <laughs> you do analogies and I'm like, where is he going with this? That one? Straightforward. Got it. It was great. 10 out of 10. <laughs> Actually, Would listen though, again. <laughs> a lot of people really liked his baseball analogy. I forget what that was for, though, but they liked that oh. one. Um, all right. So uh, uh, that pretty much wraps this up here, I think. Um, good show. Good times. Uh, and I'm not sure what the next one is about. Watch their, like, it's the Baby Yoda one. Who knows? I but, feel like um, they'd leave that till the end so that you watch the whole season or the whole thing. People are like, you know what? Screw this show. Oh. I don't know what episode what eight's about Baby Yoda. Do. All right. Well, they're going to do something on, like, costumes, probably. Mm-hmm. Costumes and, and masks. Lacey, would you have rather this thing been a two hour, like, The Phantom Menace uh, documentary than these eight episodes? About I'd rather it be topics. what they did with The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker. Have you seen the Phantom Menace documentary? Yeah, like a long time ago. I, I've seen parts, bits and pieces. I've seen... Like, uh, you don't even have to love that movie. It is... If you're there, it's... Cr- the, yeah, and I, my favorite moment is the one that always ends up on the internet from time to time with Ewan McGregor, where he's like, they asked me to be in Star Wars, and I was like, F yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where he's like <laughs> jumping into the mat. But... Yeah. um. I don't know. I just, I really want to, like James said, like experience it. I don't want to be told about it. I want to see it. Mm -hmm. And we're in a world now where everything is visual from cameras to live streams to all these different things. So if you have the capabilities and you're doing this crazy video wall, why are you not shooting a behind the scenes documentary of how it's made? This is the first of its time, a Star Wars TV show, live action TV show, and you're not capturing that from moment to moment. Like, to me, that's just crazy. They are, but it's just going to, we're just going to see it 40 years from now when they're like, unreleased <laughs> right. footage. They're probably like, we don't want Warner <laughs> Brothers to pick up on the tricks. 40 years from yeah. now. Wait, how old will we be? We'll be pretty old. James, well, you can call that. me 40 years from now and just be like, see, <laughs> they released it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Back in my day, Star Wars was good. (laughs) Back when they were making shows like The Mandalorian. (laughs) Um, All right. Let's get out of here. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening and watching to the Mando Fan Show. Uh, We appreciate you tuning in on this Friday. We hope everyone has a great weekend. Make sure you do subscribe to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at RBATSWNN and make sure you're going to StarWarsNewsNet.com every day for your latest Star Wars news, reviews, editorials, information, and more. Also, the reviews about the Mandalorian documentary as well. Um, 
Uh, obviously want to thank all of our patrons for all of your support. Patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. If you want to support us, uh, videos like this happen because of that support without question. Uh, tiers start at $2 a month for page access. And we also have nine mini episodes every month, including a Q&A we just did that's going to be coming out next week where you ask us stuff about like food and crazy other things like that. But we appreciate all the support there. Um, you guys can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey and writing and editing over at StarWarsNewsNet.com. Uh, James? Uh, Twitter and Instagram at Meyer Trunks. Lacey? People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gillerin. All right. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Mando Fan Show. You'll see the three of us back on Monday for Make Solo 2 Happen Day on the Resistance broadcast. So if you are just the type of person who's like, I like this crew but only for the mando stuff just so you know makes a little two happen day is a thing and on monday it's going to be hopefully a big thing and we're going to have an episode out and uh use the hashtag makes a little two happen if you're down with solo and want more solo and maybe one day we could be talking about the making of a solo series on disney plus who knows mm -hmm. but we hope you enjoy your weekends and we'll see you next time on the mando fan show see you around kids